Hi, welcome to the second episode of Hypertalk Season 2. I'm your host, Tina. And I'm your co-host, Matilda. And here today we have our guest, Emilia Bergmark-Jimenez. Welcome. Hi, guys. So great to be here. <laughs> great really. to have you here. Thank yeah. You. Um, as we said, for the second season, the vision of our Hypertalks is to dig into the future industry, our industry. So we thought about we're going to talk change in this episode. Yeah, so we thought of beginning with a check-in. So do you have any suggestions for the check-in, Tina? Yeah, um, but Emilia, do you know about check-in? Yeah, I could. I heard it in your last episode. Yeah. I you could still explain it to me one more time. Of course, yes. <laughs> uh, check-in is a thing that we always do at Hyper Island. So it's kind of a special thing at Hyper. It's a, it's a thing that we always do before the every teamwork to express our feelings. And it's really good to do this to settle down um, and to clear out the air as a start. Sure. So um, what about a checking question? What change have you done in this week? And how do you feel about that? Oh, that's such a hard question. But sure, let's go. You guys start and I'll, mm. I'll, I'll come after. <laughs> Yeah, I can start with the checking in. Uh, this week, the only thing I can think of that I changed is my sheets. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think that stands for how I perceive change, like something fresh and like taking away the old and just starting off with something clean and new. That's like how change is for me. Yeah, and how do you feel about the change of the sheet? I feel it's super nice to uh, lay down in my bed right now, uh, but I don't think that change is so easy as changing your cheats, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but that's like, it can be small and big things change. In exactly. Life. Uh, for me, change at this week. Well, I started to make, uh, make lunch for myself and bring it to school. And I feel it's a great change because previously I always buy lunch somewhere else close to school and spend a lot of money. But now I decided to make some changes and to cook lunch for myself. feel like I'm going to be a great mom in the future. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Good That's sense. how I feel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Check in. All right. Okay, so I'm going to check in with um, the change in my um, behavior by saying yes to participate in this podcast because it is very nervous to be recorded and also talk about these subjects that are very like personal and you feel like you have to be like held to very high standards as well. So I'm going to check in with uh, that I feel brave, that I said yes without hesitation. So. It is a great change. I think so. Yeah, and it's a right choice. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so let's get into the real talk. Yes. Uh, should we start from some quick questions about you? Yeah, Let our sure. audience know more about the inspiring woman in here. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do you do as a career? I am a commercial photographer. I work here in Stockholm, where I am born and raised. And uh, what I do professionally is I, do, I work in advertising. Um, I do campaigns 
image banks, um, portraits for big and small companies in different areas. And what I do and what I am, why I think you guys have invited me here is because I work in this, what I call like norm creative field where questions as norm creativity, um, representation, uh, gender questions, and also uh, like a non-generic um, commercial image uh, is my field. So that is what I do. Mm. But I also do these kind of things, talks, and um, sometimes I do art projects and I write a lot, but mostly I am a commercial photographer. Mm. Where did you get your interest in photography? Uh, from the beginning, this is a very, like, When you, if you go to photo school, like most of the students will say that, yeah, it was when my dad, my dad had a camera, my dad had a dark room at home, and it was the same for me. Um, my dad had a camera, and he took a lot of pictures and a lot of friends that were that were photographers, professional photographers, and he had a dark room in our house. And I long for that day when I go to uh, photography education and everyone says that, yeah, it was because of my mom, she took these amazing selfies or she brought her phone everywhere or she, you know, she had a blog or something because it's like such an old story. But I think for my generation, like the 80s, it's very typical. So my dad gave me uh, a camera, a Nikon F3 that I still have for my 12th birthday. And I just started using it right away. And yeah, I, st I still use it. And it's one of my favorite cameras. And it was like emerged to me. It was like a part of me after a while. So that's how I got into photography. I'm a very nostalgic person. Like I like nostalgia, like looking at old things and like, like a child I collected like all his uh, old pictures and used to like sort them and made them in order and stuff so I think it's connected to that yeah and I heard that um you have uh, you have a strong passion in analog photograph yes was it also started from that when um when I started out to take photos like analog was the only option so uh -huh. i'm naturally like schooled in the analog way but when i went to photography school the first year we had a um like the introduction of one of the first digital cameras and uh, it just never it just never hit me as hard as the analog did it's just it, i've always like seen it as a tool but it was never like that kind of intense love for the whole process as the analog has always been and for me it's always been color so I have never been like really interested in black and white it's always been like the color lab like the the papers and the film and everything's just been so strong to me like and um, so that's one way to look at why I still shoot analog but it's also now I think I have like integrated it in my process to not shoot as generic as everyone else because it, it has a different look and it has a different feel and you get something from a more closed process where the whole team can't look at the picture at the same time or decide where everything should be as they do in a digital picture where you see everything in the instant moment. So it's it's two things. It's like a 
never-ending love, but it's also like work too. Mm. Do you have any role model? Like as a in photography, when you're when you're when you've been doing photography for as long as I have, it's like you lose interest in photography. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you see all these role models in other fields. But there is one amazing female photographer that I really admire, and she's called Kate T. Parker, and she is. Um, she started this hashtag on Instagram that says strong is the new pretty. Maybe you've seen it. Uh, and she's shooting her daughter. She has two daughters and she's shooting her daughters and they are like athletes and doing all these kind of sports. And now she's all her work is within like sports and uh, like very strong female motion and She's very also intersectional and works with like color and gender and representation. And that hashtag on Instagram is just amazing. So you should check it out. Mm. But other than that, I um, really, really admire like the top dogs, Swedish politicians like Mona Salin and Gudrun Schumann. They are really my role models because if there was a man as competent as those two women, they, he would have been prime minister a long time ago, but instead they are being so like held to such higher standards than their male colleagues. And they have, I mean, fallen so hard so many times in Swedish media and they're still rising up and doing their job and being really, really well-educated and well-formulated and nice human beings. So I, th I think they're really admirable. Thank you. We got a very colorful image of you now. After <laughs> you this. do? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I feel the girl power in yeah. here, in this room right now as it's well. It's here. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. Shall we start with some experience that you had about changes? Yes. Um, for example, when you hear the word change what do you think is actually change i think that change is very necessary to make um, a better society mm. uh, everything has to change and it has to change on a personal level and it has to change on a structural level so in this particular question if you ask me what but I think is change. It it depends naturally if it is a personal change or a, a structural change. But for me, what is really interesting is the means. Uh, the means you have to work towards a change. So mm. that is what really interests me. Like I think my photos or the knowledge I have about how to integrate representation or or questions about gender in my work that they are. A mean, they are means to make a change, and that what I wish for my job to result in is that more people of diverse background, for example, can could come forward and share stories. And what is also exciting about change is that if things change, you don't know what will happen. Hopefully there will be something totally new, like a new world order that you don't know. And I think a lot of people focus on change like 
because they picture what they want and they want to change it. But I would love to see something new that I don't know about that could, and hopefully something positive, but like an, like new stuff. So you mean the new things happen after you start to change? Of course. Like you ha- you have to make changes. Yeah. And I think it's really important to realize how hard how hard that is. I mean, it can be hard to remember to change your sheets or yeah. just you know that bringing f- food to school is good for you mm. and you try to make a change every day, but you can't. So it's and then making changes out from your privileges or making changes from structural point of view in society it's very hard yeah it is yeah we have a saying in hyper island called lead a change yes uh, so hyper is really motivating us to start uh, some changes that we want to do but how do you think you start leading the change like how did you do within the commercial photography industry i actually had a very like if i look back at a journey i had like this really like moment uh, like this you know the the bird the phoenix where i just uh, caught fire and died and <laughs> like was reborn <laughs> and that was the moment i realized that i am very good at some things but i'm not good at everything i have my particular area where i am very good but when i try to go outside that area most of the things i do is very mediocre And then I realized that I had to narrow myself down and just do the things that I was good at. And that took a lot of courage to say no to a lot of things. Because when you start out as a creative, like freelancing person, it's, of course, you need to support yourself. You need to find job. And when people come asking, do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? You're, you don't have that, like courage maybe to say no because you need the cash and everything so I I needed to ask myself like in every situation is this something that I can do is this job really for me or is it maybe somebody else who can be better at this and when the opportunity came where it was an actual thing that I could do best and just grab onto it and really um, believe in myself that I could do it in the best possible way. And that took many years. And one part of that was to realize that I need to shoot analog to really bloom because I'm best at that. And also that is my subjective taste. And that is what people come asking for me. So if I compromise the process, if somebody has seen a picture, they think it's really beautiful. They want that kind of work for their company. And then they come asking. Then I also have to present the the way it has to be done. So we have to do like this and this and this. And these are all the circumstances that need to be fulfilled to be able to give you exactly what you want. And if I compromise those circumstances myself, and if I don't believe in, in them, nobody else will help me guard them. So... It, it was very hard for many years. I really fought with that and that feeling that why is everybody else so competent? They can do anything. I can only do one thing. <laughs> like that feeling and the fear of missing out and the fear of being 
like I should really take this opportunity, but I will suck at this. So I really, I don't need to take this opportunity because it will be a mistake. So that's the biggest change I made in my career. And it's it's still ongoing because it, it's hard. And it's also hard to have high standards and try to live up to them, especially as a woman in my business. It's very hard. From your story, I kind of feel if you want to make any change, you have to know what you want and what you're good at. You have to know yourself yes. first yes. in order to make anything change to other people yes. or to the industry or anything. I think change is a part of taking responsibility and seeing um, where you come from and what your privileges are. And exactly. I think it's very, for me, sometimes I feel like, okay, so the majority in my business, they are men and they don't have the incitement to make the change because nobody has ever pressured them to take responsibility or look at their own privileges. But for me as a woman, I have to um, be very clear with who I am. I have to be very visible and I cannot make mistakes. I'm held to higher standards than my male colleagues, for example. Uh, and But it's also like a pressure to to make the change. And if I if I said, no, I don't want to make a change, I just want to make money and shoot like models, <laughs> then I would also be like a bad feminist or a bad woman. So you, as a woman, you always have this like double punishment going on, like whether you choose to lead the change or whether you choose to not do it, then you're either way you're bad, <laughs> like a lo- the losing part. So it's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what? drives you to continue like your work with change do you think it's your passion or is it more comes from more anger like what, oh, what it drives definitely the used to come from anger <laughs> absolutely <laughs> no i think it's two things it's passion absolutely it's the love for photography because what the main thing that i do is that i take absolutely beautiful pictures of absolutely beautiful people. So I find these people that really inspire me. I shoot them. I get to be in places that I really love, see things that are truly beautiful, and spend time with children and animals and people that you could only dream about existing and make create these really beautiful but still very, like, vardaglia like daily daily ordinary pictures so in one way it's the passion and the other the other side of the coin is that i have all these privileges like i'm white i am middle class i'm highly educated my parents are from like an academic background i'm born in stockholm i have Everything like my dad brought me to the opera when I was a child to library. I could read when I was five. Like I, I've gotten so much of culture and self-esteem and everything. So if I'm not gonna lead the change or make the change or be responsible for the change, like who is? I I have to try because of the privileges I have. So it's it's those two things actually. You mentioned the diversity background in this industry. Yes. Have you tried to make any change regarding this 
it is very hard to step out and and try to make change. It takes a lot of courage. Yeah, I know. Yes. Have you maybe done anything? Uh, to try to get like new uh, kind of perspectives into the to the industry, or try to reach out to other people who don't who don't normally work in the industry, or what are you? Uh, like any approach, any means that you have done to to increase the diversity and also to balance the gender equality um, in what the I, industry. What I did, um, and this was many years ago. I don't really even remember what year it was, but. I think it was in 2009, and I just uh, joined an um, agency, uh, the agency I'm still with, who represents me. And I I was very curious about how many women are actual commercial photographers. And of course, there are a lot of photographers who are not represented by commercial agencies in Stockholm. But I, I thought that I should count just to see like how many of my colleagues are actually women and then i compared myself to all the other commercial photographers that had representation through agencies so i just went to every agency's web page and i just did a count like okay so they represent 10 photographers and how many of them are women and that result was so depressing what is the result Mm, the result, the first year I did the count, I think it was 17% were women. Mm. So about 86% were men, mm. like over 80%. And also if you think, oh, I think maybe the first year was 20% that were women. But it's also like we don't make 20% of the money. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have 20% of the jobs. No. So that was the first year. And then the year after, it, it decreased. So I think it was 17%. And then it went back up to maybe 19%. And I think right now we're at 17% again. And the, that was, what was most shocking was that it, it in some agencies there were no women. Not one single female photographer represented out of maybe 20 photographers or 10 photographers. And I don't know, I was amazed by that result. And also the agencies were very, like, I published that. I, back then I had a blog, so I published that, like, very empiric study <laughs> on my blog. And there were a lot of agencies, they were so mad at me. They wrote me emails, like, how could you, what is this? Like, we don't want to get complaints about this. What? And, but I was like, I, I only counted I don't value, I just counted that this is what it looks like. So that was the first thing that I actually did. So I think just being in the industry and being so clear about what I do, that I am a commercial photographer and I do advertising, in that way I, I change the diversity because mm. I add to it. Mm. But of course there are other things that I don't have that are even f more missing. Like there's hardly any women of color in my industry or no photographers with uh, like functional variations or, you know, we're all just very white and middle class. So in a way, I think I, I, I bring something to the table, but it's definitely not enough. And it really... the. There are projects that work with reaching out to kids that normally don't get the information of, like, for example, you could be a photographer or you could be a designer 
or you could be architect. Because that's normally for kids that maybe grow up in the cities or have parents that yes. do something like that. Mm. So those kind of projects interest me a lot. And there are examples of those projects in my industry, in the advertising industry. For example, Stockholm Open. Have you heard about that? Yeah. Yes, but maybe let's make a short explanation. Yeah, it's um, some of the biggest advertising agencies in Stockholm that offer internships to kids from the suburbs that can come and work for a few weeks in summertime and also present their own projects. And hopefully in in the end, this will lead to them having knowledge about the advertising industry and also maybe get an actual foot into the industry. Mm. I think it's a great project. Mm. Or Design Lab S that I work with, that is a creative like melting pot for children in Skärholmen, where they introduce all these kind of design um, jobs or architecture or fashion designer to kids from Skärholmen. So those kind of things really interest me. But I mean, I, I would definitely do more if I could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, changes is never easy to do. Everyone wants to do changes in the school, in the society, in different industry, but it's never easy. Um, but talking about the industry, the yeah. advertising and the commercial photography industry, yes. Uh, do you see any changes that happen in this industry? Yes, I see um, a lot of changes. Like the fact that I have so many requests to uh, do this non-generic commercial picture and to bring all this knowledge about representation and diversity to the assignments that I get. Like I've had the same assignments for the five last years, but now I have so many of them. It's so much more work. And all the assignments that I get are of this nature. So of course I notice a change that people are more aware that they also need to take a standing point and do like have broader perspectives in their communication. But I think it depends on two. I think it's like two things that are behind that. And one thing is that we have a lot of studies, like in Sweden, we have a lot of advertising studies that shows that non-stereotype advertising works better. So that is one thing. And the other thing is, of course, a commercial incitement to sell more and to make money and to sell to different, like, broader group. So I think it's... To be a, a commercial photographer is to sit in the lap of commercialism. So you have to be very frank about that that is the incitement from from the business. They They won't come asking for these things just for a good... Yeah. To be a good Samaritan. But yeah. it sounds like a healthy change. I think so. Yeah, on yeah. one side is good for the whole society, on the other side is good for business. Yeah, so. I think it's uh, very important to realize that advertising will not lead the change. They will follow or they will do what they think is best f- to make yeah. money or to sell. But there are definitely people inside mm. the business and there definitely that will make that will lead a change and there are definitely means to produce a commercial photography commercial everything in a, a more diverse way 
So one thing doesn't have to exclude the other. You could do beautiful, diverse photography and still sell mm. your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's easier to lead a change within the advertisement industry now when they try to follow the change? Or is it still a struggle to be a pioneer in diversity within advertisement? Personally, I think it's a struggle. But I think it's easier because you have a lot more people interested in the field. So, of course, but I think for all of those people, personally, it's a struggle. And for the people that just keep on doing traditional advertising and keep their head down, mostly men, um, I think their life is a lot easier. And that also has to do with this, like, being held to this double standard as a changemaker and a woman. Like, if you if you don't do it, you're not a good person. If you do it, your head gets chopped off. So, Yeah, it seems... Uh Seems like a struggle, but it's also super inspiring to hear that you actually did it within the advertisement industry. So what I'm wondering if what's your greatest tips for us students now, like leaping into this industry, some of us? Yeah, I <clears throat> thought about that. And I I think it's actually like education within all these questions, like education within gender, equality, representation, If you don't have that in hyper, you should definitely ask for a course in like diversity. What does it mean? Or And just get educated in these questions. And then I think also look at your own backgrounds and your own privileges. Because I, I also think that in a place like Hyper Island, a lot of people that are there have a lot of possibilities. They are not people that maybe had to struggle so much or I of course I don't know these things but these are my ideas about the whole industry really that we are all like very privileged people who are able to pursue a career in what area we want so to look at your own privileges and see where you come from and realize that everybody doesn't have that road in life And then try to make a change for those who who, who don't have that privileges. Mm. Do you see uh, more changes that is needed to made in uh, in this industry? Yeah, it's definitely the diversity of who works in the industry mm. and how do we reach uh, young people mm. that don't normally get reached by this. It's definitely a question about class and how you think about yourself and what you will do in the future and also to have the economical means and educational means and everything to live in a very like unsecure economical situation like being a freelancer for example i mean it, that takes you have to believe in yourself so much and maybe if you come from uh, like not middle class and you don't have that same self esteem as you do get you don't have that sa that same feeling of belonging or having something to contribute with mm. so that is what i think it's the advertising industry is one of the biggest challenges is to reach new people to get all these perspectives that we really want to talk about because how can we tell these new stories if we don't have that perspective and we also need to like really leave place for people that have those perspectives to let them tell their stories because that is when we will 
we will get it right. If we only do, a, uh, we only guess or we only tell stories that we see from outside, then it will never be as true as it comes from the person who have that real experience. Yes. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that to see. I mean, I think it would be really interesting to see like a new line in advertising where you do advertising in only Arabic or the Turkish language or you you like new people working in the business that would be great. Yeah, that actually sounds very exciting. Yeah. Because like at our school at Hyper Island in our class we have people from all over the world yeah. with different colors, different races and it's a great experience to work with them as yeah. a team. Like sometimes I work with uh, like Matilda as a Swedish person and in our team we have people from South America, uh, from Asia, different color, different races. It's 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 great experience with different culture together yes, in one group. Yeah. Yeah, and hearing so many perspectives and having an open discussion and I've lear- really learned from Hyper Island how diversity makes a project so much better hearing different perspective and as you say sharing stories yeah hearing stories from other people yeah. Yeah. than just your own mind and your own perception yeah. of things of course exactly all right it was uh, it was really great talk and inspiring Are talk we, from you <laughs> are we done <laughs> already yeah time passed actually really fast it's like 35 minutes already so if you got the chance who do you think that you should bring here and to interview with next wow. time for our podcast yeah i think um there's this new tv show at uh, utbildningsradion called melanin have you said it have you seen it no, uh, no. what is it about uh, it's about uh, growing up as a, a black young person in sweden So I think you should bring someone from that uh, production team. I think they're called, um, let's see, uh, Tänk Till. So they produce all these kind of TV shows and content for young people of color. Uh, so somebody from there would be really interesting to hear how they mm. got into the media business. and Because their stories are amazing and mm. the way they tell them are very intersectional in so many ways. And otherwise I think you should bring Maya Bredberg. Who is a PR strategist? Strategist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Maya. At Forsman Bodenfors. She is okay. a genius and have a lot of yeah interesting experience to share. So that's what I think. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, do you have uh, your own motto that you can like inspire us with? Because we have lead the change in hyper. Mm. It's a good motto, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I have my own motto which is I I dare or I have to dare. And I also I th- I think I have to dare for sisterhood or for like other people who don't have the same platform or don't get to take up as much space as I do. Um which can be really hard. Because sometimes you just feel like you want to crawl under a blanket and not there. But I try every day not to back down. Yeah, it's a really good motto. Yeah, um, it is. We talk a lot about being in our stretch zone and mm. not in our comfort zone. And it feels like going into that, like daring to be out of your comfort zone as well. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, It's been a it's been a really inspiring talk for me. I feel I hear a lot of this courage feeling 
from you. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's the thing that I actually need from me, myself, in my in this stage of my life right now. Thank you. I think you're both very inspiring and very. I'm very. I was very flattered to get asked to come here, and uh, it's this podcast thing is so new for me, but I think it's cool. So thank you so much for having me. It's been. Would you leave uh, any contact information of yourself in case anyone is interested to get in touch with you? Yeah. Uh, like if you have Instagram, your own website. Yes, I do. Or oh um, yeah, like the I read about the scholarship. If you want to oh say something God, about that, yes, maybe please yeah. let me say something mm. about scholarship. Yeah. That is, um, I give out a scholarship every year uh, of five thousand Swedish kronor, and it's directed towards a photographer under thirty who works with a photographic project, and I invented this scholarship for my 30th birthday so it's called An Emilia Bemmerkmel's 30-års stipendium so please send in your application my email is emilia at annaemilia.se and I have a website that is annaemilia.se and I'm also on Instagram as Emilia Vicenta so please check out my work and thank you so much for having me thank you thank you um To round this interview, since we did a check-in at the beginning, so we will naturally do another check-out. What about a question as your favorite moment of this talk? As a check-out question. Oh, my favorite moment of this talk. So hard. <laughs> I think it's... Um, I think it's very interesting to realize how motivated you are in your education. And uh, that it seems to me that Hyper Island brings all these very interested people together. And what we were talking about, like what the industry needs in diversity, I think you can definitely bring to the table. So that was a very, when you when you were talking about your motto and what you were talking about in Hyper Island, I think that's my favorite moment of the talk. Cool. What about you, Matilda? My favorite moment uh, was when we talked about the fear of missing out and you said that yeah like follow your passions and that you can't do everything because I have uh, I always take on a lot of stuff and then it's hard to know where I should focus and I, in hyper we get a lot of questions like what do you want to do in the future and it can be super confusing to know uh, but now when just hearing your motto uh, like I dare to I think I will dare to follow Uh, what I want to change more and not just do a bit of everything just because I want to have a great career after Hyper Island. Yeah, for me, to be honest, my favorite moment is when you say your motto is I dare because that basically concludes all the feelings that I have from what you had talked before about the changes because you said it is hard, it's never easy, the society make it hard, but then you just got to do it. And when you say, of course, you wanted to cover yourself under the blanket and just make yourself cozy. But sometimes you just have to do it. Yeah. And that I dare moment is my favorite moment of this talk. That's so inspiring. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Amelia, for, for this inspiring talk. Thank you, Matilda. Thank you, Tina. Uh, for this. Um, yes, you can find more episodes by searching for HyperTalks on iTunes and Acast. And you will also find us at Instagram by searching HyperTalks. 
We also want to thank Beppo Studio for making this、uh, recording possible. Thank you, thank you for everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.